Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Parts 1 and 2. Based on an original news story by J.K. Rowling, John Tiffany and Jack Thorne. Part 1, Act 1. Act 1, Scene 1. King's Cross. A busy and crowded station, full of people trying to go somewhere. Amongst the hustle and bustle, two large cages rattle on top of two laden trolleys. They're being pushed by two boys, James Potter and Albus Potter. Their mother, Ginny, follows after. A 37-year-old man, Harry, has his daughter Lily on his shoulders. Albus. Dad, he keeps saying it. Harry. James, give it a rest. James. I only said he might be in Slytherin, and he might, so... Off his dad's glare. Fine. Albus, looking up at his mum. You'll write to me, won't you? Ginny. Every day, if you want us to. Albus. No, not every day. James says most people only get letters from home about once a month. I don't want to... Harry. We wrote to your brother three times a week last year. Albus. What? James? Albus looks accusingly at James. Ginny. Yes, you may not want to believe everything he tells you about Hogwarts. He likes a laugh, your brother. James, with a grin. Can we go now, please? Albus looks at his dad, and then his mum. Ginny. All you have to do is walk straight at the wall between platforms nine and ten. Lily. I'm so excited. Harry. Don't stop, and don't be scared. You'll crash into it. That's very important. Best to do it at a run if you're nervous. Albus. I'm ready. Harry and Lily put their hands on Albus's trolley. Ginny joins James's trolley, and together... The family run hard into the barrier. Act 1. Scene 2. Platform 9 and 3 quarters, which is covered in thick white steam pouring from the Hogwarts Express, and which is also busy, but instead of people in sharp suits going about their day, it's now wizards and witches in robes, mostly trying to work out how to say goodbye to their beloved progeny. Albus. This is it. Lily. Wow. Albus. Platform nine and three quarters. Lily. Where are they? Are they here? Maybe they didn't come. Harry points out Ron, Hermione and their daughter Rose. Lily runs hard up to them. Uncle Ron! Uncle Ron! Ron turns towards them as Lily goes barreling up to him. He picks her up into his arms. Ron. If it isn't my favourite Potter, Lily. Have you got my trick? Ron. Are you aware of the Weasley's Wizard Wheezes certified nose-stealing breath? Rose. Mum, Dad's doing that lame thing again. Hermione. You say lame, he says glorious. I say somewhere in between. Ron. Hang on, let me just munch this... Yeah, and now it's just a simple matter of... Excuse me if I smell slightly of garlic. He breathes on her face. 
Lily giggles. Lily, you smell of porridge. Run, bing, bang, boing. Young lady, get ready to not being able to smell at all. He lifts her nose off. Lily, where's my nose? Run, ta-da! His hand is empty. It's a lame trick. Everyone enjoys its lameness. Lily, you are silly. Albus, everyone's staring at us again. Run. Because of me, I'm extremely famous. My nose experiments are legendary. Hermione, that's certainly something. Harry, parked all right then. Run. I did. Hermione didn't believe I could pass a muggle driving test. Did you? She thought I'd have to confound the examiner. Hermione, I thought nothing of the kind. I have complete faith in you, Rose. And I have complete faith he did confound the examiner. Ron, oi, Albus, Dad. Albus pulls on Harry's robes. Harry looks down. Do you think, what if I am, what if I'm put in Slytherin, Harry? And what would be wrong with that, Albus? Slytherin is the house of the snake, of dark magic. It's not a house of brave wizards, Harry. Albus Severus, you were named after two headmasters of Hogwarts. One of them was a Slytherin, and he was probably the bravest man I ever knew, Albus. But just say, Harry, if it matters to you, you, the Sorting Hat will take your feelings into account, Albus. Really, Harry, it did for me. This is something he's never said before. It resonates around his head a moment. Hogwarts will be the making of you, Albus. I promise you, there is nothing to be frightened of there. James, apart from the Thestrals, watch out for the Thestrals. Albus, I thought they were invisible. Harry, listen to your professors. Don't listen to James, and remember to enjoy yourself. Now, if you don't want this train to leave without you, you should leap on. Lily, I'm going to chase the train out. Ginny, Lily, come straight back. Hermione, Rose, remember to send Neville our love. Rose, Mum, I can't send the professor love. Rose exits for the train. And then Albus turns and hugs Ginny and Harry one last time before following after her. Albus, okay then, bye. He climbs on board. Hermione, Ginny, Ron, and Harry stand watching the train as whistles blow up and down the platform. Ginny, they're going to be okay, right? Hermione, Hogwarts is a big place. Ron. Big, wonderful, full of food. Oh, I'd give anything to be going back. Harry, strange. Al being worried he'll be sorted into Slytherin. Hermione, that's nothing. Rose is worried whether she'll break the Quidditch scoring record in her first or second year, and how early she can take her owls. Ron, I have no idea where she gets her ambition from. Ginny, 
And how would you feel, Harry, if Al... If he is? Ron. You know, Jin, we always thought there was a chance you could be sorted into Slytherin. Ginny. What? Ron. Honestly, Fred and George ran a book. Hermione. Can we go? People are looking, you know. Ginny. People always look when you three are together. And apart. People always look at you. The four exit. Ginny stops Harry. Harry. He'll be all right, won't he? Harry. Of course he will. Act One. Scene Three. The Hogwarts Express. Albus and Rose walk along the carriage of the train. The trolley witch approaches, pushing her trolley. Trolley witch. Anything from the trolley, dears? Pumpkin pasty? Chocolate frog? Cauldron cake? Rose, spotting Albus's loving look at the chocolate frogs. Al, we need to concentrate. Albus, concentrate on what? Rose, on who we choose to be friends with. My mum and dad met your dad on their first Hogwarts Express, you know. Albus, so we need to choose now who to be friends with for life. That's quite scary. Rose, on the contrary, it's exciting. I'm a Granger Weasley. You're a Potter. Everyone will want to be friends with us. We've got the pick of anyone we want. Albus, so how do we decide which compartment to go in? Rose, we rate them all and then we make a decision. Albus opens a compartment door to look in on a lonely blonde kid, Scorpius, in an otherwise empty compartment. Albus smiles. Scorpius smiles back. Albus. Hi, is this compartment... Scorpius. It's free. It's just me. Albus. Great. So we might just come in for a bit, if that's okay. Scorpius. That's okay. Hi. Albus. Albus. Al. I'm... My name is Albus. Scorpius. Hi, Scorpius. I mean, I'm Scorpius. You're Albus. I'm Scorpius. And you must be... Rose's face is growing colder by the minute. Rose. Rose. Scorpius. Hi, Rose. Would you like some of my fizzing whizbies? Rose. I've just had breakfast. Thanks. Scorpius. I've also got some shocker chock, pepperimps and some jelly slugs. Mum's idea, she says, sings. Sweets, they always help you make friends. He realises that singing was a mistake. Stupid idea, probably. Albus. I'll have some. Mum doesn't let me have sweets. Which one would you start with? Rose hits Albus out of sight of Scorpius. Scorpius. Easy. I've always regarded the pepper imp as the king of the confectionery bag. The peppermint sweets that make you smoke at the ears. Albus. Brilliant. Then that's what I'll... Rose hits him again. Rose, will you please stop hitting me? Rose. I'm not hitting you. Albus. You are hitting me and it hurts. Scorpius's face falls. Scorpius. She's hitting you because of me. 
Albus. What? Scorpius. Listen, I, I know who you are, so it's probably only fair you know who I am. Albus. What do you mean, you know who I am? Scorpius. You're Albus Potter. She's Rose Granger Weasley, and I am Scorpius Malfoy. My parents are Astoria and Draco Malfoy. Our parents, they didn't get on. Rose. That's putting it mildly. Your mum and dad are Death Eaters. Scorpius, affronted. Dad was, but mum wasn't. Rose looks away, and Scorpius knows why she does. I know what the rumour is, and it's a lie. Albus looks from an uncomfortable Rose to a desperate Scorpius. Albus. What is the rumour? Scorpius. The rumour is that my parents couldn't have children, that my father and my grandfather were so desperate for a powerful heir to prevent the end of the Malfoy line that they that they used a time-turner to send my mother back. Albus. To send her back where? Rose. The rumour is that he's Voldemort's son, Albus. A horrible, uncomfortable silence. It's probably rubbish. I mean, look, you've got a nose. The tension is slightly broken. Scorpius laughs, pathetically grateful. Scorpius. And it's just like my father's. I got his nose, his hair, and his name. Not that that's a great thing either. I mean, father-son issues, I have them. But on the whole, I'd rather be a Malfoy than, you know, the son of the Dark Lord. Scorpius and Albus look at each other, and something passes between them. Rose. Yes, well, we probably should sit somewhere else. Come on, Albus. Albus is thinking deeply. Albus. No. Off Rose's look. I'm okay. You go on. Rose. Albus. I won't wait. Albus. And I wouldn't expect you to. But I'm staying here. Rose looks at him a second and then leaves the compartment. Rose. Fine. Scorpius and Albus are left, looking at each other, unsure. Scorpius. Thank you. Albus. No, no, I, I didn't stay for you. I stayed for your sweets. Scorpius. She's quite fierce. Albus. Yes. Sorry. Scorpius. No, I like it. Do you prefer Albus or Al? Scorpius grins and pops two sweets in his mouth. Albus thinks. Albus. Scorpius, as smoke comes out of his ears. Thank you for staying for my sweets, Albus. Albus, laughing. Wow. Act 1, Scene 4. Transition Scene. And now we enter a never world of time change, and this scene is all about magic. The changes are rapid as we leap between worlds. There are no individual scenes, but fragments, shards that show the constant progression of time. Initially, we're inside Hogwarts, in the Great Hall, and everyone is dancing around Albus. Polly Chapman. Albus Potter! 
Carl Jenkins. A potter in our year. Jan Fredericks. He's got his hair. He's got hair just like him. Rose. And he's my cousin. As they turn. Rose Granger Weasley. Nice to meet you. The sorting hat walks through the students who spring into their houses. It becomes quickly apparent he's approaching Rose, who is tense as she awaits her fate. Sorting hat. I've done this job for centuries. On every student's head I've sat. Of thoughts I take inventories. For I'm the famous sorting hat. I've sorted high, I've sorted low. I've done the job through thick and thin. So put me on and you will know which house you should be in. Rose Granger Weasley. He puts his hat on Rose's head. Gryffindor! There's cheering from the Gryffindors as Rose joins them. Rose. Thank Dumbledore. Scorpius runs to take Rose's place under the Sorting Hat's glare. Sorting Hat. Scorpius Malfoy. He puts his hat on Scorpius's head. Slytherin! Scorpius was expecting this. He nods and half smiles. There's cheering from the Slytherins as he joins them. Polly Chapman. Well, that makes sense. Albus walks swiftly to the front of the stage. Sorting hat. Albus Potter. He puts his hat on Albus's head, and this time he seems to take longer, almost like he too is confused. Slytherin. There's a silence. A perfect, profound silence. One that sits low, twists a bit, and has damage within it. Polly Chapman. Slytherin. Craig Bowker, Jr. Whoa! A potter in Slytherin? Albus looks out, unsure. Scorpius smiles, delighted, as he shouts across to him. Scorpius. You can stand next to me. Albus, thoroughly discombobulated. Right. Yes. Jan Fredericks. I suppose his hair isn't that similar. Rose. Albus, but this is wrong. Albus, this is not how it's supposed to be. And suddenly, a flying lesson is happening with Madame Hooch. Madame Hooch. Well, what are you all waiting for? Everyone stand by a broomstick. Come on, hurry up. The kids all hurry into position beside their brooms. Stick out your hands out over your broom and say up. Everyone, up. Rose's and Yan's brooms sail into their hands. Rose and Yan, yes. Madame Hooch, come on now. I've no time for shirkers. Say up, up like you mean it. Everyone, bar Rose and Yan, up. Brooms sail up, including Scorpius's. Only Albus is left with his broom on the floor. Everyone, bar Rose, Yan, and Albus. Yes. Albus, up, up, up. His broom doesn't move, not even a millimeter. 
He stares at it with disbelieving desperation. There's giggling from the rest of the class. Polly Chapman. Oh, Merlin's beard, how humiliating. He really isn't like his father at all, is he? Carl Jenkins. Albus Potter, the Slytherin squib. Madam Hooch. OK, children, time to fly! And suddenly, Harry appears from nowhere, beside Albus, as steam expands all over the stage. We're back on platform nine and three quarters, and time has ticked on mercilessly. Albus is now a year older, as is Harry, but less noticeably. Albus. I'm just asking you, Dad, if you'll... if you'll just stand a little away from me. Harry, amused. Second years don't like to be seen with their dads, is that it? An over-attentive wizard begins to circle them. Albus. No, it's just... you're you and... And I'm me and... Harry. It's just people looking, okay? People look, and they're looking at me, not you. The overattentive wizard proffers something for Harry to sign. He signs it. Albus. At Harry Potter and his disappointing son. Harry. What does that mean? Albus. At Harry Potter and his Slytherin son. James rushes past them, carrying his bag. James. Slithering, Slytherin, stop with your dithering. Time to get on to the train. Harry. Unnecessary, James. James. Long gone. See you at Christmas, Dad! Harry looks at Albus, concerned. Harry. Al. Albus. My name is Albus. Not Al. Harry. Are the other kids being unkind? Is that it? Maybe if you tried making a few more friends. Without Hermione and Ron, I wouldn't have survived Hogwarts. I wouldn't have survived at all. Albus. But I don't need a Ron and Hermione. I've... I've got a friend. Scorpius. And I know you don't like him. But he's all I need. Harry. Look, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters to me. Albus. You didn't need to bring me to the station, Dad. Albus picks up his case and makes hard away. Harry. But I wanted to be here. But Albus is gone. Draco Malfoy, his robes perfect, his blonde ponytail precisely placed, emerges from within the crowds to be beside Harry. Draco. I need a favour. Harry. Draco. Draco. These rumours about my son's parentage. They don't seem to be going away. The other Hogwarts students tease Scorpius about it relentlessly. If the Ministry could release a statement reaffirming that all time-turners were destroyed in the battle of the Department of Mysteries, Harry, Draco, just let it blow over. They'll soon move on. Draco. My son is suffering, and... Astoria hasn't been well recently, so he needs all the support he can get. Harry. If you answer the gossip... You feed the gossip. 
There've been rumours Voldemort had a child for years. Scorpius is not the first to be accused. The Ministry, for your sake as well as ours, needs to steer well clear. Draco frowns, annoyed, as the stage clears and Rose and Albus stand ready with their cases. Albus, as soon as the train leaves, you don't have to talk to me. Rose, I know. We just need to keep the pretense up in front of the grown-ups. Scorpius runs on, with big hopes and an even bigger case. Scorpius, hopeful. Hi, Rose. Rose, definitive. Bye, Albus. Scorpius, still hopeful. She's melting. And suddenly we're in the Great Hall, and Professor McGonagall is standing at the front with a big smile on her face. Professor McGonagall. And I'm pleased to announce Gryffindor's newest member of the Quidditch team, our... She realises she can't be partial. Your superb new chaser, Rose Granger Weasley. The hall erupts into cheers. Scorpius claps alongside them all. Albus. Are you clapping her too? We hate Quidditch and she's playing for another house. Scorpius. She's your cousin, Albus. Albus. Do you think she'd clap for me? Scorpius. I think she's brilliant. The students circle Albus again, as suddenly a potions class begins. Polly Chapman. Albus Potter. An irrelevance. Even portraits turn the other way when he comes up the stairs. Albus hunches over a potion. Albus. And now we add... Is it Horn of Bicorn? Carl Jenkins. Leave him and Voldemort's child to it, I say. Albus. With just a little salamander blood? The potion explodes loudly. Scorpius. Okay, what's the counter-ingredient? What, what do we need to change? Albus. Everything. And with that, time moves ever onwards. Albus's eyes become darker. His face grows more sallow. He's still an attractive boy, but he's trying not to admit it. And suddenly he's back on platform nine and three quarters with his dad, who is still trying to persuade his son and himself that everything is okay. Both have aged another year. Harry. Third year. Big year. Here is your permission form for Hogsmeade. Albus. I hate Hogsmeade. Harry. How can you hate a place you haven't actually visited yet? Albus. Because I know it'll be full of Hogwarts students. Albus screws up the paper. Harry. Just give it a go, come on. This is your chance to go nuts in Honeydukes without your mum knowing. No, Albus. Don't you dare. Albus, pointing his wand. Incendio! The ball of paper bursts into flame and ascends across the stage. Harry. Of all the stupid things! Albus. The ironic thing is I didn't expect it to work. I'm terrible at that spell. Harry. Al... Albus. I've been exchanging owls with Professor McGonagall. She says you're isolating yourself. You're uncooperative in lessons. You're surely... You're... Albus. So what would you like me to do? 
magic myself popular? Conjure myself into a new house? Transfigure myself into a better student? Just cast a spell, Dad, and change me into what you want me to be, okay? It'll work better for both of us. Got to go. Train to catch. Friend to find. Albus runs to Scorpius, who is sitting on his case, numb to the world. Delighted. Scorpius! Concerned. Scorpius? Are you okay? Scorpius says nothing. Albus tries to read his friend's eyes. Your mum? It's got worse. Scorpius? It's got the worst it can possibly get. Albus sits down beside Scorpius. Albus? I thought you'd send an owl. Scorpius? I couldn't work out what to say. Albus? And now I don't know what to say. Scorpius? Say nothing. Albus? Is there anything? Scorpius? Come to the funeral. Albus? Of course. Scorpius? Be my good friend. And suddenly the sorting hat is centre stage, and we're back in the great hall. Sorting hat. Are you afraid of what you'll hear? Afraid I'll speak the name you fear? Not Slytherin, not Gryffindor, not Hufflepuff, not Ravenclaw. Don't worry, child. I know my job. You'll learn to laugh if first you sob. Lily Potter! Gryffindor! Lily. Yes! Albus. Great. Scorpius. Did you really think she'd come to us? Podders don't belong in Slytherin. Albus. This one does. As he tries to melt into the background, the other students laugh. He looks up at them all. I didn't choose. You know that. I didn't choose to be his son. Act One. Scene Five. Ministry of Magic. Harry's Office. Hermione sits with piles of paper in front of her in Harry's messy office. She is slowly sorting through it all. Harry enters in a rush. He is bleeding from a graze on his cheek. Hermione. How did it go? Harry. It was true. Hermione. Theodore not. Harry. In custody. Hermione. And the time-turner itself? Harry reveals the time-turner. It shines out, alluringly. Is it genuine? Does it work? It's not just an hour reversal, Turner. It goes back further? Harry. We don't know anything yet. I wanted to try it out there and then, but wiser heads prevailed. Hermione. Well, now we have it. Harry. And you're sure you want to keep it? Hermione. I don't think we've a choice. Look at it. It's entirely different to the time-turner I had. Harry, dryly. Apparently wizardry has moved on since we were kids. Hermione. You're bleeding. Harry checks his face in the mirror. He dabs at the wound with his robes. Don't worry. It'll go with the scar. Harry with a grin. What are you doing in my office, Hermione? Hermione. I was anxious to hear about Theodore Knott, and 
Thought I'd check whether you'd kept your promise and were on top of your paperwork. Harry. Ah. Turns out I'm not. Hermione. No, you're not. Harry, how can you get any work done in this chaos? Harry waves his wand and the papers and books transform into neat piles. Harry smiles. Harry. No longer chaotic. Hermione. But still ignored. You know, there's some interesting stuff in here. There are mountain trolls riding gruffhorns through Hungary. There are giants with winged tattoos on their backs walking through the Greek seas. And the werewolves have gone entirely underground. Harry. Great. Let's get out there. I'll get the team together. Hermione. Harry, I get it. Paperwork's boring. Harry. Not for you. Hermione. I'm busy enough with my own. These are people and beasts that fought alongside Voldemort in the Great Wizarding Wars. These are allies of darkness. This, combined with what we have just unearthed at Fyodor Knotts, could mean something. But if the head of magical law enforcement isn't reading his files... Harry. But I don't need to read it. I'm out there, hearing about it. Theodore not. It was me who heard the rumours about the time-turner, and me who acted upon it. You really don't need to tell me off. Hermione looks at Harry. This is tricky. Hermione. Do you fancy a toffee? Don't tell Ron. Harry. You're changing the subject. Hermione. I truly am. Toffee? Harry. Can't. We're off sugar at the moment. Beat. You know, you can get addicted to that stuff. Hermione. What can I say? My parents were dentists. I was bound to rebel at some point. Forty is leaving it a little late, but you've just done a brilliant thing. You're certainly not being told off. I just need you to look at your paperwork every now and again. That's all. Consider this a gentle nudge from the Minister for Magic. Harry hears the implication in her emphasis. He nods. How's Ginny? How's Albus? Harry. It seems I'm as good at fatherhood as I am at paperwork. How's Rose? How's Hugo? Hermione, with a grin. You know, Ron says he thinks I see more of my secretary, Ethel, she indicates off stage, than him. Do you think there's a point where we made a choice... Parent of the Year or Ministry Official of the Year? Go on. Go home to your family, Harry. The Hogwarts Express is about to depart for another year. Enjoy the time you've got left, and then come back here with a fresh head and get these files read. Harry. You really think this could all mean something? Hermione, with a smile. It could do. But if it does, we'll find a way to fight it, Harry. We always have. She smiles once more, pops a toffee in her mouth and leaves the office. Harry is left alone. He packs his bag. He walks out of the office and down a corridor, the weight of the world upon his shoulders. He walks, tired, into a telephone box. He dials 62442. Telephone box. Farewell, Harry Potter. He ascends away from the Ministry of Magic.
Act 1. Scene 6. Harry Potter and Ginny Potter's House. Albus can't sleep. He is sitting at the top of the stairs. He hears voices below him. We hear Harry's voice before he's revealed. An elderly man in a wheelchair is with him. Amos Diggory. Harry. Amos, I understand, I really do, but I'm only just home and... Amos. I've tried to make appointments at the Ministry. They say, Ah, Mr Diggory, we have an appointment for you. Let's see. In two months. I wait. Very patiently. Harry. And coming to my house in the middle of the night, when my kids are just getting ready for their new year at school, it's not right. Amos. Two months pass. I receive an owl. Mr. Diggory, I'm awfully sorry, but Mr. Potter is being called away on urgent business. We're going to have to shift things around a little. Are you available for an appointment in, let's see, two months' time? And then it repeats again and again. You're shutting me out. Harry, of course I'm not. It's just, I'm afraid... As the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, I'm responsible, Amos. There's plenty you're responsible for. Harry. Sorry? Amos. My son. Cedric. You do remember Cedric, don't you? Harry. Remembering Cedric hurts him. Yes. I remember your son. His loss. Amos. Voldemort wanted you, not my son. You told me yourself the words he said were, Kill the spare, the spare. My son, my beautiful son, was a spare. Harry, Mr. Diggory, as you know, I sympathise with your efforts to memorialise Cedric, but... Amos. A memorial? I'm not interested in a memorial. Not any more. I'm an old man. An old, dying man. And I am here to ask you, beg you, to help me get him back. Harry looks up, astonished. Harry, get him back? Amos, that's not possible. Amos, the Ministry... As a time-turner, does it not? Harry. The time-turners were all destroyed. Amos. The reason I'm here with such urgency is I've just heard rumour, strong rumour, that the Ministry seized an illegal time-turner from Theodore Knott and has kept it for investigation. Let me use that time-turner. Let me have my son back. There's a long, deadly pause. Harry is finding this extremely difficult. We watch as Albus moves closer, listening. Harry. Amos. Playing with time. You know we can't do that. Amos. How many people have died for the boy who lived? I'm asking you to save one of them. This hurts Harry. He thinks. His face hardens. Harry. Whatever you've heard, 
The Theodore Knott story is a fiction, Amos. I'm sorry. Delphi. Hello. Albus jumps a mile as Delphi, a twenty-something determined-looking woman, is revealed looking through the stairs at him. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to startle. I used to be a big stare listener myself. Sitting there, waiting for someone to say something the tiniest bit interesting? Albus. Who are you? Because this is sort of my house and... Delphi. I'm a thief, of course. I'm about to steal everything you own. Give me your gold, your wand, and your chocolate frogs. She looks fierce, and then smiles. Either that, or I'm Delphine Diggory. She ascends the stairs and sticks out a hand. Delphi. I look after him. Amos. Well, I try. She indicates Amos. And you are? Albus. Rueful grin. Albus. Delphi. Of course. Albus Potter. So Harry is your dad. That's a bit wow, isn't it? Albus. Not really. Delphi. Ah, have I just put my foot in it? It's what they used to say about me at school. Delphine Diggory. There isn't a hole she couldn't dig herself into. Albus. They do all sorts with my name, too. Pause. She looks at him carefully. Amos. Delphi! She makes to depart, and then hesitates. She smiles at Albus. Delphi. We don't choose who we're related to. Amos isn't just my patient. He's my uncle. It's part of the reason I took the job at Upper Flagley. But that's made it difficult. It's tough to live with people stuck in the past, isn't it? Amos. Delphi! Albus. Upper Flagley. Delphi. St Oswald's home for old witches and wizards. Come see us sometime, if you like. Amos. Delphi! She smiles and then trips as she travels down the stairs. She enters the room with Amos and Harry in it. Albus watches her. Delphi. Yes, Uncle? Amos. Meet the once great Harry Potter, now a stone-cold ministry man. I will leave you in peace, sir, if peace is the right word for it. Delphi, my chair. Delphi. Yes, Uncle. Amos is pushed out of the room. Harry is left, looking forlorn. Albus watches on, thinking, carefully. Act One, Scene Seven. Harry and Ginny Potter's house, Albus's room. Albus is sitting on the bed as the world goes on outside his door, still against the constant motion outside. We hear a roar from James, from off stage. Ginny. James, please ignore your hair and tidy that damn room. James. How can I ignore it? It's pink. I'm going to have to use my invisibility cloak. James appears at the door. He has pink hair. Ginny. That's not why your dad gave you that cloak. Lily. Who's seen my potions book? Ginny. Lily Potter, don't think you're wearing those to school tomorrow. Lily appears at Albus's door. She's wearing fairy wings that flutter. Lily. I love them. 
They're fluttery. She exits as Harry appears in Albus's doorway. He looks through. Harry. Hi. There's an awkward pause between them. Jenny appears in the doorway. She sees what's happening and stays a moment. Just delivering a pre-Hogwarts gift. Gifts. Ron sent this. Albus. Okay. A love potion? Okay. Harry. I th think it's a joke about... I don't know what. Lily got farding gnomes. James got a comb that's made his hair turn a shade of pink. Ron... Well, Ron's Ron, you know. Harry puts down Albus's love potion on his bed. I also... This is from me. He reveals a small blanket. Jenny looks at it. She sees Harry is trying. And then she softly walks away. Albus. An old blanket? Harry. I thought a lot about what to give you this year. James. Well, James has been going on about the invisibility cloak since time itself, and Lily... I knew she'd love wings. But you... You're fourteen years old now, Albus, and I wanted to give you something which meant something. This is the last thing I had from my mum. The only thing. I was given to the Dursleys wrapped in it. I thought it had gone forever, and then, when your great-aunt Petunia died, hidden amongst her possessions, surprisingly, Dudley found this, and he kindly sent it on to me, and ever since then... Well, any time I've wanted luck, I've found it, and just tried to hold it, and I wondered if you... Albus. Wanted to hold it too? Okay. Done. Let's hope it brings me luck. I certainly need some. He touches the blanket. But you should keep it. Harry. I think... Believe Petunia wanted me to have it. That's why she kept it, and now I want you to have it from me. I didn't really know my mother, but I think she'd have wanted you to have it too. And maybe I could find you and it on Hallow's Eve. I'd like to be with it on the night they died, and that could be good for the two of us. Albus. Listen, I've got quite a lot of packing to do, and you undoubtedly have ministry work coming out of your ears, so... Harry... Albus, I want you to have the blanket. Albus, and do what with it? Fairy wings make sense, Dad. Invisibility cloaks, they also make sense. But this, really? Harry is slightly heartbroken. He looks at his son, desperate to reach out. Harry, do you want a hand? Packing? I always loved packing. It meant I was leaving Privet Drive and going back to Hogwarts, which was... Well, I know you don't love it, but... Albus. For you, it's the greatest place on earth. I know, the poor orphan, bullied by his uncle and Aunt Dursley. Harry. Albus, please, can we just... Albus. Traumatised by his cousin Dudley, saved by Hogwarts. I know it all, Dad. Blah, blah, blah. Harry. I'm not going to rise to your bait, Albus Potter. Albus. The poor orphan who went on to save us all, so may I say, on behalf of wizarding kind, how grateful we are for your heroism. Should we bow now, or will a curtsy do? 
Harry. Albus, please. You know I've never wanted gratitude. Albus. But right now I'm overflowing with it. It must be the kind gift of this mouldy blanket that did it. Harry. Mouldy blanket. Albus. What did you think would happen? We'd hug. I'd tell you I always loved you. What? What? Harry, finally losing his temper. You know what? I'm done with being made responsible for your unhappiness. At least you've got a dad, because I didn't, okay? Albus. And you think that was unlucky? I don't. Harry. You wish me dead? Albus. No, I just wish you weren't my dad. Harry, seeing red. Well, there are times I wish you weren't my son. There's a silence. Albus nods. Pause. Harry realises what he's said. No, I didn't mean that. Albus. Yes. You did. Harry. Albus, you just know how to get under my skin. Albus. You meant it, Dad. And, honestly, I don't blame you. There's a horrible pause. You should probably leave me alone now. Harry. Albus, please. Albus picks up the blanket and throws it. It collides with Ron's love potion, which spills all over the blanket and the bed, producing a small puff of smoke. Albus. No luck or love for me, then. Albus runs out of the room. Harry goes after him. Harry. Albus. Albus, please. Act 1. Scene 8. Dream. Hut on the rock. There's a large boom. Then there's a large crash. Dudley Dursley, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon are cowering behind a bed. Dudley Dursley. Mum, I don't like this. Aunt Petunia. I knew we made a mistake coming here. Vernon, Vernon, there's nowhere we can hide. Not even a lighthouse is far enough away. There's another large boom. Uncle Vernon. Hold on, hold on. Whatever it is, it's not coming in here. Aunt Petunia. We're cursed. He's cursed us. The boy has cursed us. Seeing young Harry. This is all your fault. Get back in your hole. Young Harry flinches as Uncle Vernon holds out his rifle. Uncle Vernon. Whoever's there, I should warn you, I'm armed. There's a massive smash, and the door falls off its hinges. Hagrid stands in the middle of the door. He looks at them all. Hagrid. Couldn't make us a cup of tea, could you? It's not been an easy journey. Dudley Dursley. Look at him. Uncle Vernon. Stand back. Stand back behind me, Petunia. Behind me, Dudley. I'll soon see this scaramanger off. Hagrid. Scara what? He picks up Uncle Vernon's gun. Haven't seen one of these for a while. He twists the end of the gun and ties it in a knot. Oops-a-daisy. And then he gets distracted. He's seen young Harry. Harry Potter. Young Harry. Hello. Hagrid. Last time I saw you, 
You was only a baby. You look a lot like your dad, but you've got your mum's eyes. Young Harry. You knew my parents? Hagrid. Where's me manners? A very happy birthday to you. Got summit for you here. I might have sat on it at some point, but it'll taste all right. From inside his coat, he pulls a slightly squashed chocolate cake with Happy Birthday Harry written on it in green icing. Young Harry. Who are you? Hagrid, laughing. True. I haven't introduced myself. Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. He looks around himself. What about that tea then, eh? I'd not say no to Summit Stronger if you've got it. Mind? Young Harry. Hogwarts? Hagrid. Hogwarts? You know all about Hogwarts, of course. Young Harry. Uh, no. Sorry. Hagrid. Sorry? It's them as should be sorry. I knew you weren't getting your letters, but I never thought you wouldn't even know about Hogwarts, for crying out loud. Did you never wonder where your parents learned it all? Young Harry. Learnt what? Hagrid turns menacingly towards Uncle Vernon. Hagrid. Do you mean to tell me that this boy, this boy, knows nothing about, about anything? Uncle Vernon. I forbid you to tell the boy anything more. Young Harry. Tell me what? Hagrid looks at Uncle Vernon and then at young Harry. Hagrid. Harry, you're a wizard. You changed everything. You're the most famous wizard in the whole world. And then, right from the back of the room and whispering around everyone, words said with an unmistakable voice, the voice of Voldemort. Harry Potter. Act 1, Scene 9. Harry and Ginny Potter's house. Bedroom. Harry wakes suddenly, breathing deeply in the night. He waits a moment, calming himself. And then he feels intense pain in his forehead, in his scar. Around him, dark magic moves. Ginny. Harry? Harry. It's fine. Go back to sleep. Ginny. Lumos. The room is filled with light from her wand. Harry looks at her. A nightmare. Harry. Yes. Ginny. About what? Harry. The Dursleys. Well, it started there, then it became something else. Pause. Ginny looks at him, trying to work out where he is. Ginny. Do you want a sleep draught? Harry. No, I'll be fine. Go back to sleep. Ginny. You don't seem fine. Harry says nothing. Seeing his agitation, it can't have been easy with Amos Diggory. Harry, the anger I can cope with. The fact he's right is harder. Amos lost his son because of me. 
Ginny, that doesn't seem particularly fair on yourself. Harry, and there's nothing I can say, nothing I can say to anyone, unless it's the wrong thing, of course. Ginny knows what, or rather who, he's referring to. Ginny, so that's what's upsetting you. The night before Hogwarts, it's never a good night if you don't want to go. Giving Al the blanket, it was a nice try. Harry, it went pretty badly wrong from there. I said some things, Ginny. Ginny, I heard. Harry, and you're still talking to me. Ginny, because I know that when the time is right, you'll say sorry, that you didn't mean it, that what you said concealed other things. You can be honest with him, Harry, that's all he needs. Harry, I just wish he was more like James or Lily. Ginny, dryly. Yeah, maybe don't be that honest. Harry, no, I wouldn't change a thing about him, but I can understand them and... Ginny, Albus is different and isn't that a good thing? And he can tell, you know, when you're putting on your Harry Potter front, he wants to see the real you. Harry, the truth is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. Ginny looks at him, surprised. Dumbledore. Ginny. Strange thing to say to a child. Harry. Not when you believe that child will have to die to save the world. Harry gasps again, and does all he can not to touch his forehead. Ginny. Harry. What's wrong? Harry. Fine, I'm fine. I hear you. I'll try to be... Ginny. Does your scar hurt? Harry, no, no, I'm fine. Now, knocks that and let's get some sleep. Ginny. Harry, how long has it been since your scar hurt? Harry turns to Ginny. His face says it all. Harry, 22 years. Act 1, Scene 10. The Hogwarts Express. Albus walks quickly along the train. Rose. Albus, I've been looking for you. Albus. Me? Why? Rose isn't sure how to phrase what she has to say. Rose. Albus, it's the start of the fourth year, and so the start of a new year for us. I want to be friends again. Albus. We never were friends. Rose. That's harsh. You were my best friend when I was six. Albus. That was a long time ago. He makes to walk away. She pulls him into an empty compartment. Rose. Have you heard the rumours? Big ministry raid a few days ago. Your dad, apparently, was incredibly brave. Albus. How do you always know about these things and I don't? Rose. Apparently he, the wizard they raided, Theodore not, I think had all sorts of artefacts that broke all sorts of laws, including, and this has got them all gooey, an illegal time-turner, and quite a superior one at that. Albus looks at Rose, everything falling into place. Albus. A time-turner? My dad found a time-turner. Rose. Shh! Yes, I know. Great, right? Albus. 
You're sure? Rose. Entirely. Albus. Now I have to find Scorpius. He walks down the train. Rose follows, still determined to say her piece. Rose. Albus! Albus turns decisively. Albus. Who's told you that you have to talk to me? Rose, sprung. Okay, maybe your mum owled my dad, but only because she's worried about you, and I just think... Albus. Leave me alone, Rose. Scorpius is sitting in his usual compartment. Albus enters first. Rose, still tailing him. Scorpius. Albus! Oh, hello, Rose. What do you smell of? Rose. What do I smell of? Scorpius. No, I meant it as a nice thing. You smell like a mixture of fresh flowers and fresh bread. Rose. Albus, I'm here, okay, if you need me. Scorpius. I mean, nice bread, good bread. Bread? What's wrong with bread? Rose walks away, shaking her head. Rose. What's wrong with bread? Albus. I've been looking for you everywhere. Scorpius. And now you've found me. Ta-da! I was hardly hiding. You know how I like to get on early. Stops people staring, shouting, writing Son of Voldemort on my trunk. That one never gets old. She really doesn't like me, does she? Albus hugs his friend with fierceness. They hold for a beat. Scorpius is surprised by this. Okay. Hello. Um, have we hugged before? Do we hug? The two boys awkwardly dislocate. Albus. Just a slightly weird twenty-four hours. Scorpius. What's happened in them? Albus. I'll explain later. We have to get off this train. There's the sound of whistles from off. The train starts moving. Scorpius. Too late. The train is moving. Hogwarts, ahoy! Albus. Then we have to get off a moving train. Trolley witch. Anything from the trolley, dears? Albus opens a window and makes to climb out. Scorpius. A moving, magical train. Trolley witch. Pumpkin pasty? Cauldron cake? Scorpius. Albus, Severus, Potter, get that strange look out of your eye. Albus. First question. What do you know about the Triwizard Tournament? Scorpius. Happy. Oh, a quiz. Three schools pick three champions to compete in three tasks for one cup. What's that got to do with anything? Albus. You really are an enormous geek. You know that. Scorpius. Yaha! Albus. Second question. Why has the Triwizard Tournament not been run in over 20 years? Scorpius. The last competition included your dad and a boy called Cedric Diggory. They decided to win together, but the cup was a porky, and they were transported to Voldemort. Cedric was killed. They cancelled the competition immediately after. Albus. Good. Third question. Did Cedric need to be killed? Easy question. Easy answer. No. The words Voldemort said were, Kill the spare. The spare? He only died because he was with my father, and my father couldn't save him. We can. A mistake has been made, and we're going to write it. We're going to use a time-turner. We're going to bring him back. Scorpius. Albus, 
For obvious reasons, I'm not a massive fan of time-turners. Albus. When Amos Diggory asked for the time-turner, my father denied they even existed. He lied to an old man who just wanted his son back. Who just loved his son. And he did it because he didn't care. Because he doesn't care. Everyone talks about all the brave things Dad did. But he made some mistakes too. Some big mistakes, in fact. I want to set one of those mistakes right. I want us to save Cedric. Scorpius. Okay, whatever was holding your brain together seems to have snapped. Albus. I'm going to do this, Scorpius. I need to do this. And you know as well as I do, I'll entirely mess it up if you don't come with me. Come on. He grins, and then disappears ever up. Scorpius hesitates for a moment. He makes a face, and then hoists himself up, and disappears after Albus. Act 1, Scene 11 The Hogwarts Express, Roof The wind whistles from all angles, and it's a fierce wind at that. Scorpius OK, now we're on the roof of a train. It's fast, it's scary, this has been great, I feel like I've learnt a lot about me, something about you, but... Albus, as I calculate it, we should be approaching the viaduct soon, and then it'll be a short hike to St Oswald's home for old witches and wizards. Scorpius. The what? The where? Look, I'm as excited as you are to be a rebel for the first time in my life. Yay! Train roof, fun. But now... Oh... Scorpius sees something he doesn't want to see. Albus, the water will be an extremely useful backup if our cushioning charm doesn't work. Scorpius, Albus, the trolley witch. Albus, you want a snack for the journey? Scorpius, no, Albus, the trolley witch is coming towards us. Albus, no, she can't be, we're on top of the train. Scorpius points Albus in the right direction, and now he can see the trolley witch, who approaches nonchalantly. Pushing her trolley. Trolley witch. Anything from the trolley, dears? Pumpkin pasty? Chocolate frog? Cauldron cake? Albus. Oh! Trolley witch. People don't know much about me. They buy my cauldron cakes, but they never really notice me. I don't remember the last time someone asked my name. Albus. What is your name? Trolley Witch. Ah, I've forgotten. All I can tell you is that when the Hogwarts Express first came to be, Otterline Gamble herself offered me this job. Scorpius. That's a hundred and ninety years. You've been doing this job for a hundred and ninety years? Trolley Witch. These hands have made over six million pumpkin pasties, I've got quite good at them. But what people haven't noticed about my pumpkin pasties is how easily they transform into something else. She picks up a pumpkin pasty. She throws it like a grenade. It explodes. And you won't believe what I could do with my chocolate frogs. Never, never have I let anyone off this train before they reached their destination? Some have tried. Sirius Black and his cronies, Fred and George Weasley, all have failed because this train, it doesn't like people getting off it. 
the trolley witch's hands transfigure into very sharp spikes. She smiles. So please retake your seats for the remainder of the journey. Albus, you were right, Scorpius. This train is magical. Scorpius, at this precise moment in time, I take no pleasure in being right. Albus, but I was also right about the viaduct. That's water down there. Time to try the cushioning charm. Scorpius, Albus, this is a bad idea. Albus, is it? He has a moment's hesitation. Then he realises the time for hesitation has passed. Too late now. Three, two, one. Moliere! He encants as he jumps. Scorpius. Albus! Albus! He looks down desperately after his friend. He looks at the approaching trolley witch. Her hair wild. Her spikes particularly spiky. Well, as fun as you clearly look... I have to go after my friend. He pinches his nose. He jumps after Albus, encanting as he goes. Moliere! Act 1, Scene 12. Ministry of Magic, Grand Meeting Room. The stage is flooded with wizards and witches. They rattle and chatter like all true wizards and witches can. Amongst them, Jenny, Draco and Ron. Above them, on stage... Hermione and Harry. Hermione. Order! Order! Do I have to conjure silence? She pulls silence from the crowd using her wand. Good. Welcome to this extraordinary general meeting. I'm so pleased so many of you could make it. The wizarding world has been living in peace now for many years. It's 22 years since we defeated Voldemort at the Battle of Hogwarts, and I'm delighted to say there is a new generation being brought up, having known only the slightest conflict, until now. Harry? Harry. Voldemort's allies have been showing movement for a few months now. We followed trolls making their way across Europe, giants starting to cross the seas, and the werewolves, well, I'm distressed to say we lost sight of them some weeks ago. We don't know where they're going or who's encouraged them to move. We, we are aware they are moving and we are concerned what it might mean. So we're asking, if anyone has seen anything, felt anything, if you could raise a wand, we will hear everyone speak. Professor McGonagall, thank you. Professor McGonagall. It did look like the potion stores had been interfered with when we returned from summer break, but not a huge amount of ingredients were missing. Some boomslang skin and lacewing flies. Nothing on the restricted register. We put it down to peeves. Hermione. Thank you, Professor. We shall investigate. She looks around the room. Nobody else? Fine, and gravest of all, and this hasn't been the case since Voldemort... Harry's scar is hurting again. Draco. Voldemort is dead. Voldemort is gone. Hermione. Yes, Draco. Voldemort is dead, but these things all lead us to think that there is a possibility that Voldemort, or some trace of Voldemort, might be back. This gets a reaction. Harry. Now this is difficult, but we have to ask it to rule it out. 
Those of you with a dark mark, have you felt anything? Even a twinge? Draco. Back to being prejudiced against those with a dark mark, are we, Potter? Hermione. No, Draco. Harry is simply trying to... Draco. You know what this is about? Harry just wants his face back in the newspapers again. We've had rumours of Voldemort coming back from the Daily Prophet once a year, every year. Harry. None of those rumours came from me. Draco. Really? Doesn't your wife edit the Daily Prophet? Ginny steps towards him, outraged. Ginny. The sports pages? Hermione. Draco, Harry brought this matter to the attention of the Ministry. And I, as Minister for Magic... Draco. I vote you only won because you are his friend. Ron is held back by Ginny as he charges at Draco. Ron. Do you want a smack in the mouth? Draco. Face it, his celebrity impacts upon you all, and how better to get everyone whispering the Potter name again than with... He does an impression of Harry. My scar is hurting. My scar is hurting. And do you know what this all means? That the gossip mongers once again have an opportunity to defame my son with these ridiculous rumours about his parentage. Harry. Draco, no one is saying this has anything to do with Scorpius. Draco. Well, I, for one, think this meeting a sham and I'm leaving. He walks out. Others start to disperse after him. Hermione. No, that's not the way. Come back. We need a strategy.